comeback performance plus another victory equals a place above the playoff line again for Inter Miami at long, long last. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to podcast on all things Inter Miami. Here we provide you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. You may have heard this, but we have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting. You may have also heard that this show is called Miami Total Football Radio. And my name is Franco Penizo. I am one of your usual co-hosts. There are three of us once again on the pod this week, which is coming to you earlier. As promised, we're trying to get back on our regularly scheduled programming where the pod comes out earlier in the week as opposed to later on. So we're making good on that promise. The promise that I did not make good on is bringing Steve El Primo back this week. He is he has returned to the United States, but he is not present on this week's show. Hoping, hoping it can be next week. But no worries because we have the dynamic duo that is Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita. We'll start with Andrea. How are you doing today? Hi, Franco. Hi, Jose. Nice to be with you here. It's always better to record a podcast after a team wins, right? So it's going to be a fun one. We're going to be excited and we're going to be fun. And we're not getting dragged on Twitter for being negative. So <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> Andrea, that was, that was so two weeks ago. Come on, Andrea. All right. Jose, how are you doing today? And do you have an update on, fo- on Football Manager? You said you would have one for this week. Um, I do not, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, but I do not have an update on, um, football manager because as it turns out, I, I switched computers and, uh, something's not working for me. So I have to double check and take my time to see if I need to download the whole thing all over again. But for some reason I tried open, opening the game and, and it didn't load. So, um, I'm a little bit worried, I must say. But um, other than that, I'm doing good and, and ready to talk about Inter-Miami. Big sounds, matchup coming up. Sounds like you sabotaged your sa- yourself or your own save just since you were doing so bad or because you were doing so bad. That's what it sounds like to me. No. Uh, well, I'm hoping that everything is fine and I'm just clicking the wrong buttons. But, I mean, that's what I'm hoping, really, because... I think I made progress, and I don't want to go through preseason again. It takes me forever. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Before we dive into Inter-Miami's most recent game and its upcoming match, which, like you said, is a very, very big one and a very interesting one, I have to ask you something because we, in preseason, made a non-bet bet. And I've been meaning to ask you this for several weeks now, and I keep forgetting to, so I'm going to do it now here in the intro so that everybody listening, I make sure that they hear it. We made a non-bet bet. You said that Ariel Lasseter would get, I can't remember the exact number we put on it, but you said he would get, let's say, X amount of starts in this season. And he's not there yet because it was in the 20s, and he's not at the 20s yet. And given how Pozuelo's playing, how the team's playing, nine games left in the regular season, plus playoffs if they make it, you still feeling good about that non-bet bet? I'm feeling good because I remember saying that if he gets hurt, then... You know, it's a different story, and that's that's what happened. That's why he's not starting anymore, because he's, he's not 100%. So, yeah, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I no. Think I, the injuries I, I were... Pro- I have injuries. already proven my point. 
Injuries are part of the season. He's, he has started 12 I think times. You admitted that early on. In no, the no, 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 no. I, I, I admitted to him, to him performing more than I thought he would, but he still has only started 12 out of 21 games in MLS regular season play this year. So I believe we said 23, something along those lines that, that we thought that was the number that we were going to bet on or not bet on. And we didn't bet, so it's not official. But clearly... But he started more, in more than half games. Till now, and we still have nine games left in the year, so it's it's not looking likely yeah, that he's going to get besides, preseason doesn't count. Like preseason him, doesn't so count. He's going to start. Yeah. Andrea, really Andrea. Like he's going to start. Andrea, he's he's <laughs> he's not he's not going to start. Not 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 many more games the rest of the way. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. But anyway, uh, I think the proof's in the pudding given how the team's playing now. Pozuelo's come in. It's one less starting spot for other players. So there you go, Jose. Your bet is not looking too good right now, my. Well, your non-bet bet is not looking too good right now, my friend. Franco, but anyway. I am telling you something. I will tell you a a saying, a refrán in Spanish, because it doesn't sound the same in English. But el que ríe de último ríe mejor. I'm just saying <laughs> that's, you're being too cocky. That's a. Hey, that's saying. That saying does translate in English. That's there is there is he who laughs last laughs best is the, is how it's said in English. So it does translate to English, Andrea. But anyway, yes, we still have nine games in the season to see how Inter Miami does, and Ariel Lasseter could go on a string of starts. But I believe the number was twenty-three. He would literally have to start the rest of the way. Plus, they will need to go to the playoffs. <laughs> plus, yeah, plus playoff games for him to get to twenty-three. So anyway, Hulse is quiet because he knows the truth. He knows that he would have had to take me out for Honduran food, but since we didn't make the bet, we couldn't agree to terms. There is no bet. Okay, well, let's switch gears because we have quite a bit to talk about. Inter-Miami's 3-2 come from behind victory over New York City FC. Is this the sign? Is this the game that says that Inter-Miami is a playoff team at last or is looking like a playoff team at least? And, of course, we will also talk about this week's upcoming game or this weekend's upcoming game against Toronto FC, which is on the rise as well thanks to their Italian Imports. We'll also talk about Jairo Quinteros, Alejandro Pozuelo, and a few other topics. And we'll do the Q&A session at the very, very end. So, plenty to talk about. Let's get to it. Okay, so as I just mentioned, Inter-Miami came from behind, rallied once again to a 3-2 victory over New York City FC on Saturday night at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Alejandro Pozuelo with a brace led the way, scored in the 39th and 84th minutes. That 84th minute strike was the game winner. Ariel Lasseter came off the bench and tallied as well in the 63rd for New York City FC. The goal scorers were Talis Magno in the 34th and Thiago Andrade in first half stoppage time, the 45th plus two minutes. 47th minute, I guess you could say, but since there's another 47th minute in the second half, we'll go with 45 plus two. This was the starting lineup that Inter-Miami went with, and it was a 5-2-3, or you could say a 5-2-2-1, however you want to you wanna look at it. But Drake Callender was in goal. It was a back five, albeit the wingbacks were pushed high, but DeAndre Yedlin, Christopher McVeigh, Damian Lowe, Kieran Gibbs, and Robert Taylor comprised that defensive line. The midfield... Well, the first line was Gregory and Jean Mota. The next line was Bryce Duke and Alejandro Pozuelo. They played more central, more tucked in in the half spaces. 
So it was, a, it was pretty much a boxed midfield there. And Yedlin and Taylor were providing the, the width. Up top, you had Gonzalo Higuain as the lone striker. I'm just going to start with this question right away, as opposed to the usual, what's your biggest takeaway or your analysis point? Because I think at this point, it's it's a, a good question to ask. Does this game change your opinion at all about Inter-Miami's playoff hopes? Does Inter-Miami look like a playoff team now to you? Starting with Andrea. Well, they still don't look 100% like a playoff team for me. They still have some problems uh, with defending. They're playing better in the attacking part of the game, but still um, having so many mistakes. They were uh, down in this game. The thing is that we have to talk about Pozuelo and the goal that he scored. It was because of an error of New York City FC instead of a, a play that Miami did. So I think... They are a team now in this moment that can compete to get to the playoff, but they are not the favorites to get to a playoff because um, teams that are competing against them look a little bit better because they are more solid in, in, in more aspect, aspects of the game than Miami is. But I think now we're seeing that they could offer a good, a good close for this season and they could make the push. I won't. I would still not bet for them to be in the playoffs. So they don't look like a playoff team to you. No. Okay. Jose, what about you? Does Inter Miami now look like a playoff team in your eyes? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, the one thing that Inter Miami can take pride, especially after the performance over the weekend, is the way they fight. Yes, I will give the I will give that to this team. They fight for every single ball. Um, they have um, the the very important capability of coming back. Um, they always feel like they are in the game, but that's not enough. That's not enough. And um, I will be honest here. I think it's it's a great result for Inter Miami, and I don't know if lucky is the right word because that will take away the 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 work that that was put into this game. And um, so I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent that that is the, the the word to use here. But New York City they had plenty of chances, especially in the first half they had plenty of chances. And um, that mistake at the end, it's the difference maker. And if that doesn't happen, then we're talking about a draw at home. It's not good. So I know it's exciting and and I know it's great to see the team get three points at home against a, a top team in the league. But no, I don't think to answer your question, I don't think that that will put them over the line in terms of being a playoff team, because I still believe that with taking the risk of being a little bit more offensive minded, which is something that we have seen in the last few weeks, and I applaud Phil for that, but that that takes a toll on the difference. And um, and, and I think that's the way to go. I think that's the way to go. I'm not criticizing Phil for doing it. It's just that, you know, if if you find that balance, 
between, okay, I'm going to try and score two goals, but I'm going to be good defensively as well. If you find that, then yes, you are a playoff team. And right now, Inter-Miami can't do that. So yeah. you guys are playing bad cop. I'm playing good cop. I think they look like a playoff team now. Is that going to be enough for them to make the playoffs? Can they keep this up? Don't know. Don't know. But from what I'm seeing right now, I think they have the look of a playoff team. You guys are completely overshadowed. You guys are overlooking. Franco, please, man. If Bill didn't change the, the, the tactical formation during the first half, they would have lost this game. Let's be real. Well, but when he did make the change. Feels, but he did make yeah, the change. He and he acknowledged it after 30 it, minutes he made the change. And even, and even be, after that, they won because of a mistake. Not because of something that they okay. did. Let, let, they played let's well. not be they let's not be good. resultadistas. They, let's not be resultadistas, Andrea. Andrea, let's they not be let's not be like resultadistas. They are playing better. They are playing good. We've talked about Bosuel and all of that, and we're gonna keep talking about it. But you cannot be a playoff team making the type of mistakes that they made. Sure you can. Sure you can. It's MLS. Sure you can. You can be a 500 team, sneak into the playoffs with a 7th place team. You absolutely can be mediocre and get into the playoffs in MLS. That's that's MLS's bread and butter. That's what parity is all, yes, is all built you on. Have, that, you have better mediocre teams than Miami okay. in the uh, fighting for a Franco, playoff Again, I am, tell, I am telling you team. that they they are looking like a playoff team to me. And let's not be resultadistas because I don't. it's not necessarily about the victory. It's about the performance they put forth. New York City FC. It was not a great performance, Franco, New, if you think about it. Andrea, New it York City a FC. It was great performance. New York, New York City FC was the second-place team in the Eastern Conference going into this one. And New York City FC started very well and looked really dangerous in transition. And they scored first. Yet again, Inter-Miami goes behind first. Inter-Miami could not find a way to take the lead. I thought that was the key to the game. It did not prove to be because Dallas Magno scores in the 34th minute. But Inter-Miami... After that, responded and responded well. Pozuelo scores the equalizer five minutes later. Inter-Miami falls behind due to a controversial decision from the head referee to play more than a minute of stoppage time, which was shown by the, by the fourth that official. That is not controversial. Absolutely is not controversial. controversial. It is the absolutely controversial. Total, total control. If he wants to give six, if he announces one minute, but he wants to give six after the announcement, he is in all liberty to do it. It's according to the rules. It's in the rules. Don't say it. That's absolutely it's controversial. controversial. That's, that, why, Andrea, why do they show the board? Andrea, why do they show the board? No, that's that's I completely disagree with that. Completely disagree with that. This is not the NBA. Completely disagree with that. Any amount of time. Absolutely. 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 But there's a reason why. It's absolutely controversial because there's a reason why it's shown on on an electronic board the amount of stoppage time, more or less, that is expected. Now it is a minimum. It's a minimum. It's a minimum of stoppage time. So yes, more can be added on. Absolutely. Absolutely, exactly. but there were t- there you was times over the minute. Abs- but there were times over the minute in which the Inter Miami cleared danger and he could have blown the whistle. But he he allowed yeah, he allowed that, NYCFC ref- to have not more. Controversial. It is it it's is not a controversial, controversial decision. that the referee kept playing because it's a controversial he decision. deemed it. 
It is not, Franco. It, it is it according is. to the rules. You know, in this podcast, I always criticize pro referees. But in this manner, I said it during the game. I said it in the press box. It's not controversial. The referee is in all his uh, derecho to add another minute, another three minutes, another five minutes, if the referee deems it Uh, uh, possible. And, that's, so, and that still he, can be he, controversial. He, he can deem it whatever he wants. That can still be controversial from the outside perspective. And it absolutely is controversial because one team felt hard done by it and the other team did not. And yeah, but you keep playing. when, when I, I'm, not, say, I'm not disagreeing Paris. with you. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. You have to keep playing. Of course. And they were, they caught them sleeping. That no, is no, what no. it is. Inter Miami kept Inter Miami kept trying to clear the ball out. Inter Miami attempted to clear it out, and and that's what they were frustrated by. That they kept clearing the ball out to to relative safety, but NYCFC kept giving, uh, or the referee kept giving NYCFC more attempts at attacks, and then eventually the goal comes. So listen, if I'm Inter Miami, I understand that frustration, and you can change the teams. Let's let's say they have the the la H the H. On their jersey. If that happened to Honduras, you guys would be upset and frustrated with that. So I get Inter Miami's frustration, and it is a controversial call. It is a controversial call. You guys. It's not controversial, Franco. The referee can at any time. It happens in every game. You see it in, in every game when they lose time. Sometimes a player comes down, and the referee says, okay, I'm going to add another minute. You don't. Here, MLS doesn't publish what the referees talk. With, uh, 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 between each other, but if they would publish it, it would be good because you could see, like the referee said, you don't know if the referee said to the fourth official, "I'm gonna add another minute because of this," because he he stayed in the ground and you and he lost time. I'm gonna add 30 seconds more. I'm gonna add a minute more. We don't get that in MLS, so that is why the referee is in all all. It is not. It it, it is. He's, he was in all correctness, and he is I want to hear Jose. controversial. I want to hear Jose, but before I do that, I'm going to share some insight from the stadium. I was asked the day of the of the game to do color commentating for NYCFC's radio broadcast. And I jumped on board. First time I've ever done it. I actually really, really enjoyed it. Something I would... Definitely be down to do more of in the future. Something I'd like to explore. I, I definitely enjoyed analyzing the game and adding bits and pieces of analysis here. But out of the three NYCFC radio commentators that were in the booth with me, and yes, I, I actually watched the game for the first time from the radio booth, which is open air, so I could, you know, you could hear the the fan base a little bit more than in the press box where we normally sit, where written press sits, because. That has uh, glass windows and we can't open them, so we don't feel as much of the atmosphere as you can when obviously it's open air. But anyway, I was doing it with Glenn Crooks in English. We also had Roberto Abramowitz and Ariel Judas, who do the Spanish NYCFC commentating, to my left. Both Glenn Crooks and Roberto were both surprised by the amount of stoppage time that was added on. And they both referenced it. And they both oh and that's God. and that's and that's NYCFC's radio commentary team. So, so it it what? is it, so it, it just because you it guys just because you guys don't think it's controversial doesn't mean it wasn't controversial. But okay, we can agree to disagree. It because, wasn't controversial. I wanna hear Jose though. I wanna hear Jose. Jose, go for it. I mean, come on now. Come on now. It's 52 seconds. I mean, you have to play one more minute. If the referee adds 15 more minutes, you play them. 
And that's it. That's the end of the story. The next game, Inter-Miami is going to need 90th minute. They're going to need five minutes of extra time. The referee will give them six, and nobody's going to complain. I mean, come on now. This happens every single game. Every single game. Sometimes it goes your way, and some other some other times it won't go your way. It's not a big deal. It's one minute. You play the minute. If they score on you, shame on you. You had to play one more minute. Good difference. And that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. That does not. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I'm not disagreeing with that. But it's still, I still think it's controversial for the referee when there's one minute of stoppage time shown to almost allow two minutes. I think it's controversial. Franco, that happens every time. When does not happen every time. Someone gets injured. Does not happen you every may, time. You see coaches make. But nobody got injured here, Andrea. Time. But nobody got injured here. Nobody got hurt here. Yeah, this, but you the, the play just kept that, going and going referee, and going and going. That referee can add. You saw it on the second half. He also. When when you get a corner, the time was done, but the team got a corner, and he let them take it because that is what happens. You don't cut play when you're playing offensively. That is a non-spoken rule that referees have. So what if that's not that's not that's not that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true because there are referees that will blow the whistle dead on on a corner kick because that time's up. So it's just it's at the referee's discretion. A hundred percent. I'm not disagreeing exactly. with you. I am not disagreeing exactly. with you that Inter Miami needed to defend better, needed to clear the ball to safety much better, and and not allow for that to happen. But I do also understand their frustration from their from their seat and their vantage point absolutely but anyway we, we're going to agree to disagree we're going... i don't agree with it being controversial okay next time around when inter miami has the ball and the referee adds two minutes minute 47 they need to stop play and wait until the referee blows the whistle but no one's saying they, they are... need to stop playing jose i'm not saying they need to stop playing it it's gonna be controversial that they need to stop play because the referee, the fourth official, added two minutes. What if the fourth official makes a mistake and instead of well, showing two minutes, he shows six minutes? And then then what? It, it's controversial. I mean, come on. It's it's not that big. It's not that big a deal. It was 52 seconds when the goal was scored. I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it, guys. Okay, well, we can agree to disagree because clearly we're on different pages and we're not going to convince one another so let's move forward because despite that adversity which you guys might not even call it adversity but the fact that Inter Miami went down two to one at halftime to NYCFC and they felt hard done by it then they come out in the second half and they turn the game around yet again they showed that never say die attitude that resiliency what is what does that say to you about the state of Inter Miami because we have said, or at least I have said, that I don't think it's a formula that they can continue to rely on and bank on that being successful. But they continue to do it. They continue to fall behind in games and find ways to scrap and claw and even play good football, as they did for stretches in this one, to get results. Because now they, listen, let's go back to the last two games. They tied what was then the third place team in the Eastern Conference in CF Montreal 2-2, two two, and then they beat the then second place team in the Eastern Conference in New York City FC, 3-2. to two. Those are two very good results for a team that was not too long ago in 11th place. What does that say about the team's character? Back to you, Jose. Yeah, I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from the game. The way the, the team is now um, comfortable you know, in, in, in a tough situation because they, they seem to have that trust that they will be able to 
overcome anything that comes their way. And so, yeah, that's that's the most exciting thing about this team for me. Um, and um, and 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 yes, that's that's going to be very important because. Um, listen, it's it's not going to be easy for Inter Miami um, to have a chance at the playoffs. A slim chance at the playoffs is going to come with, with with a lot of uh, obstacles for them because um, they need to find that balance. And um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they will be able to do it this year. And so. Um, it's good that the the team is mentally. I think they they are ready to compete, and um, and and I think that's going to be the key for them for the rest of the year. As much as much as we can talk about tactics and um, you know things that can feel do um, in terms of um, how do you help Iguain, which is something that he managed to fix with Pozuelo coming in. How can he give defenders a breather a little bit more? How can Gregor and Mota in the middle uh, help out defensively when the team moves forward? Those are those are things that you know they're obviously very important. But I think right now the state of the team relies on the on the mental side of the game. They are strong enough, and 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 that's why they are in a position right now in which they can. Um, they, they 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 can hold the playoff position. I don't know for two for for how long because New England will be playing Toronto and maybe that will take them out of the um, a playoff position. But I think that's that's the most important thing that Inter Miami is showing right now. Andrea, I agree with what Jose says. I think it's important for them to show that resiliency that maybe they didn't have to show for players like Iwain to show that they're committed, that um, he didn't score this game, but he was very close. He made good plays. Um, he, he had an he, assist, right? Yeah, yeah, he had an assist. And he is committed to, to making this team play better. I think that the addition, we talk about the addition of Pozuelo, of course, it's 100% so important for the team, not, not only on the field, because they play better with him, but also mentally for the players, because uh, we're talking about Gonzalo, but we also talk about Ariel, who had who scored a nice goal um, this game when he came in. We talk about Duke, who plays uh, 100% better, and he's willing to learn from Pozuelo. And then you get Gregore and Mota, who are looking good uh, now that they have a player in front of them and gives them more liberty to destroy game, but also to create and for the team to come out from the back and play better because the central defenders obviously uh, don't don't give them that, don't give Inter Miami that. And when you have, when Mota and Gregory have that liberty, the team plays better and you can see it on the field. You can see it uh, on the field. I only wish that this team uh, could be a little bit more consistent for the 90 minutes. I guess that that will come with Phil and his um, and his assistants uh, realizing what formation is better for them and sticking to that formation, not changing it uh, that many times between games and in the middle of the game. They need to get a style of play and stick with it so that players know what what is their position, what are their responsibilities, what they need to give the, the team uh, uh, tactically. But obviously the mental side is good. Pozuelo coming in, Gonzalo getting better. It gives a boost, a boost for, for, for the team. But 
talking about the playoffs, where we're like we were discussing earlier, it's gonna be hard because they left too many points in the earlier part of the season. I say that um, they they have a chance, they do, but you, you when you see the table, you see that they're tied with four four uh, with three other teams, and one of those teams has has a game in on hand. Then the 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 place that is above them has a game on hand from them, Columbus. So. It's really going to depend on getting the results that are immediate, like the game with Toronto on Saturday. So let's see if they can keep it up, if they can can keep it up at home. It is good that they have these games at home, that they had two games at home, and that they could 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 be getting six points from from those games uh, for after in the season. That they have some really tough visits left in for them in the calendar. Games in hand do not necessarily mean points in hand. Just for just for to point that out, just to point that out. New England does have one game in hand. They are tied with Inter Miami on thirty three points, but that does not automatically guarantee that they're going to win that game in hand. And especially, let me say something that uh, remember if they are tied. This is not like other leagues that you get because of the goal difference that you do qualified. The criteria to qualify, I think it's the results between them, right? The fir- no, the first, no, the first tiebreaker is wins. This is why Inter Miami wins. Right oh now, yeah, wins. Inter Miami has wins. more wins than New England and Cincinnati, so they have nine wins. New England, and Cincinnati have eight. So just to make it clear, Inter Miami is in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. They sit in the final spot in the playoff picture as of today. What do I think about this? Penchant for coming back, this habit of being able to claw back into it even when faced with adversity like they were in this one. Look, I think it speaks to something the fun levels talked about for several weeks, if not months now. And at, at certain points, I thought he was overselling it and maybe exaggerating a little bit when he said these guys love being around each other and they don't want to leave the facility. I thought he was he was just laying it on a little too thick. But there's definitely an element of that here at play that this team is a team. Whether they're a good team, bad team, whatever, however you want to look at it, they are a cohesive team and a team that fights for one another and it is resilient and that when it has its back against the wall, fights back. Whether it's enough to get a win, it, that might not always be the case, but the team fights back. This is the opposite. I think Osan Wayne said this today at practice. This is the opposite of last year's team. Where last year's team, when they were faced with adversity, by and large, by and large, there were exemptions, but by and large, last year's team crumbled and or, and could not find ways to get back into games. And then they didn't show this fight and this spirit and this cohesiveness and this togetherness that this team shows. So I, I think that that is obviously a, a very good sign. Pozuelo, Phil Neville talked about, talk, talked wonders about, you know, how key that has been for Inter-Miami this season, especially during this recent stretch. It absolutely has been. It could be because if you go back a few games now, Inter Miami has been collecting a good bit of points, which is why they are now in the position that they're in. If you go back, let's see, how many games should we go back here to see Inter Miami standings? Let's go five games back. Five games back. Five games back. Or four games back. Sorry, four games back. In the last four games, Inter Miami has collected eight points. Eight points out of 12. Pretty good haul for a team that was near the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Not too long ago. You think I wanted to add something that I think the Barcelona game also helped 
and the lessons that that game left for them, what Phil said and Yeldin said afterward that this game was an eye-opener to many on the locker room that they needed to do better. I don't, so I don't think I the think Barcelona that, game has much to do with that success. Influence, that, I don't think that so. That influenced a lot. I, yeah, because I that game, I guess it... it, it they, the lost the, they lost the next game 2-0. They lost the next game 2-0 to New York City yes. FC. They didn't score and they lost. But so. after, after that, after that, they, you have seen them being more cohesive, maybe giving it a little bit more. That coincided with Pozuelo coming in, of course. And then, they were cohesive that, before that, that game. Help. They were cohesive. Before they, they, they came back and tied Dallas late before they played Barcelona. They came back and they beat Minnesota. They came, they, but they came back and beat Minnesota late before before even the Dallas game. So they had already shown this penchant for being able to come from behind and, and show this togetherness. They had already shown that. I don't think the Barcelona game has much to do with it. That's just what I think. But let's let's switch gears to the attack because Jose touched on it, something we've touched on for several pods now is that the, the this Inter-Miami team in recent weeks has become more attack-minded. And it's something I said a few pods ago, maybe a month ago, maybe a little bit more, more or less, where I said the defensive-minded approach that Phil Neville was adopting or he was taking it was not, in my opinion, good enough. And it was not going to cut it because they were not getting results and they were not scoring goals and they were struggling. And we saw where they were in the table in that way. And I thought that I, look, I, I said then, and I stand by it, like I understood the reasons for trying to be defensive. I, I understood that the team doesn't have that balance, that it's an imbalanced team. That you can't, Inter Miami is not a team this year that can be both solid defensively and in the attack at the same time, generally, or by and large, by and large, there have been exceptions. But being defensive minded and not taking risks in the attack was clearly not working. They weren't scoring goals and, and the losses were, were coming more frequently than the wins. Now that they've opened things up, which is something I said weeks ago, and I think Holstead definitely agreed with me. That I, that I thought and we thought that the approach needed to be to open up an attack. And if that wasn't enough either, if that proved to be not good enough, then so be it. You live with those results because Inter-Miami, the way that they had been playing, that was clearly not going to get them to the playoffs. They had to take risks and try to outscore the other team. And even if that meant giving up goals at the back, that's exactly what they've done now. They've... Push numbers forward into the attack. You see a more aggressive, attack-minded Inter Miami. I asked Phil Neville about that after after the game, after this weekend's game, after beating New York City FC, and he he went into very good detail about it. And he said, you know, starting with the Cincinnati match, you know, he he these, this is the exact word he used. He took the shackles off, and now you're seeing an Inter Miami team that yes, because it pushes numbers forward, it will be exposed at times defensively. But Phil Neville's okay with that because he thinks that this is now the best approach to get Inter-Miami to the playoffs. Being attack-minded, trying to outscore the other team as opposed to trying to not lose and trying to keep that clean sheet at the back. So I like what I'm seeing from Inter-Miami in that regard. I think it's working for them. Clearly the results, the recent results show that. I think beating New York City FC 3-2 at home is a very good, Big result for Inter-Miami. I know you guys have said it came down to an errant pass. But I thought even before that, and I was trying to say that before, Andrea, let's not be resultadista. I thought Inter-Miami was the more dangerous team of the two teams over the 90 minutes. Result aside, 
Result aside, so if listen, if you can play like that, even I know even though you're at home, but if you can play like that against one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, I think that that to me is one of the reasons why I think it's remind me looks like a playoff team. I don't know how it'll go from here to the rest of the year. Players stay healthy if the schedule and change the hurts them. Is, but if you can play like that, wait when they get a good result. Andrea, if you can play like that against if you can play like that against a good team. Play. Franco, they, that is a good team that is missing their best player, was missing their best defender. The players were fighting against each other. So, it, it, you, That's you not cannot Inter go Miami's too fault. high. That's not Inter-Miami's fault. You cannot go too high. And, it, and with all of that, Inter-Miami won the game because of a mistake. You cannot be too. You cannot go too high to say Inter Miami because then Toronto is going to come and score five on them, and we're gonna be here telling people, oh, they don't look, they look bad. You have to analyze. Yes, the the buildup that this team is having, but not 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 to say they're looking like a playoff team because they beat New York City without Tati Castellanos and without Karen and they tied and, and they tied CF and, Montreal. And, and, and it's not it's not just one game, fighting. Andrea. They tied CF Montreal. The week before, they are now they are now competing and finding ways to get results against teams higher up the Eastern Conference. Results that are not enough, and they're still getting scored Listen, too many goals. Four four points from two from these two games. I think we all would have said that that was enough. I think you because you said and we all and Jose and I said the draw in Montreal. We would all take that. We would all sign on the dotted line, and then. I said even a draw here against New York City FC, to me, that would have been enough. You both said, no, that they needed to win. They've done that. They've won, and they've drawn against two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. If that, to you, doesn't show a team that looks like it could be a playoff, uh, a playoff side, then... I mean, we again, we'll agree to disagree but because they're competing Kansas now. City wins a game against any team. Even Kansas City won against it's the not, But this is not one game. This is, I just gave you two games against ba- in back-to-back yeah, weeks. Yeah, but you cannot judge the team for two games. That is what I'm telling you. Because in the, those two games, they were scored four goals. Four goals. Okay, and how many did they score? And how many did they score? They're a playoff team if they get scored on two. It doesn't matter how many they score. Of course it matters it how much not. they scored. Of course. You're saying the only way you get into the playoffs is if you don't let up goals? That's, no, that's not. Andrea, this MLS. You can be a seventh place mediocre team with a 500 record, and you could have more goals scored on you than you have scored four. And guess what? You can make the playoffs because that's how MLS works. That doesn't mean you're a great team or an incredible team, but you can get into the let's playoffs see, like that. Let's, let's check the goal difference in the teams that are going to the playoffs, like Philadelphia. They have a 26 goal difference. Andrea, you're talking about the Montreal first place team in the East. You're talking about the first place team in the East. CFC has a positive result. New York Red Bulls have a positive goal difference. Columbus Crew has a positive goal difference. The only team that are in the playoff contentions that don't have a positive result are Inter Miami, Orlando, and Cincinnati. Even England, who who have they had had a bad season, they have a positive goal scoring um, uh, attack or team. So that is what you need. You cannot be just because of the results. You need to watch every aspect of the game to come and say here that they are a player. And I, I think you're, I are. think you're misconstruing that that stat. I think listen, they have a poor goal differential because early in the year they couldn't score worth anything because they were so defensive minded. Now they've opened things Franco, up and they're they scoring. So they have four goals in two games, and, and they've scored five, and they've scored five, and they've scored five. They received four, so eight goals. That is too much. And how much have they scored? And how much have they scored? If you get scored eight goals, 
and they've scored nine. If you want to, if you want to keep continue to do the math and add the numbers, they've scored nine. So they've scored more than they've let up. If you score more than the other team, you're going to win. And that's, they that's still just, that's have just a nine a nine goal differential. They, you don't go to a playoff with that. With a Orlando's, if they can, Andrea, Orlando City's can, in sixth place. Orlando City's in sixth yes, place with an identical with an identical record as Inter Miami. Orlando and Inter Miami have negative results, and they are the worst. That is why they are fighting to get okay. in the playoffs. All right, last thing I'll say, and then we're switching gears because I don't want to get stuck on one thing here. Underneath Inter Miami, right? The other teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, right? They, we're talking New England with thirty-three, Cincinnati with thirty-three, Chicago with thirty, Charlotte with twenty-nine, Toronto with twenty-nine. Atlanta with 29. I won't count DC United. They have 22. They're 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 pro- practically out of it. But out of all those other teams that I just mentioned, from eighth place all the way down to 13th, the only team that has a positive goal differential is New England with a plus two yeah, goal I differential. Everybody else is in negative. So out of those teams, somebody with a negative goal differential right now is going to get into the playoffs just by sheer numbers alone because of how many teams have negative goal differentials. From 6th to 13th, only one team has a positive goal differential, and that's New England. So, And that's a team that is going to make it to the playoffs. If, I mean, if that's, that's your opinion, that's your opinion. That still means that one team, based on your premise, that still means that one team with a negative goal differential is going to get in. And I don't, again, it, it, it goes against your argument of like, well, if you have a negative goal differential, you're not going to get in the playoffs. You absolutely can get in the playoffs with a negative goal differential. That's how MLS yes, works. That is not what I said. I said you, they are still not a playoff team because they don't even have the best goal differential. That is why I was saying. But you don't need the best goal you differential. Call them a, a, you don't need the best goal differential to get into the playoffs. Okay. Against the teams that are in sixth to 13th place, as you said, that can make it to the playoffs right now. Inter-Miami is the worst with Charlotte. With but that doesn't matter. The first tiebreakers wins, not goal differential. So that, like, that, yeah, that... I'm not talking about tiebreakers. I'm talking about the team's performance. Okay, well, I, I mean, again. A positive, a positive goal differential means that you win more games, you score more goals, and it can take you to the playoffs. That's that's looking at it from a whole like season picture as opposed to right now in this moment. If you look at the last few games, Inter Miami has a positive goal differential. If you look at the last one few games, plus one, Franco, they got scored. no. They have a plus. They have plus two. Don't forget the San Jose game. They have a plus two goal differential, which you're just raving about New England for. But anyway, Jose, 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 no, 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 hold on, Jose, Jose, the shackles are off, as Phil Neville said. What are your thoughts about this attack-minded Inter-Miami? I like it. I like it. I think that's the way to go. Um, I think this is something that Phil didn't, didn't feel comfortable doing last year. Um, we, we all wanted to see a more aggressive Inter-Miami side. Clearly, the team was not ready, at least uh, according to the coaching staff. They didn't do it last year. Um, they're doing it uh, a little bit earlier in 2022, and... Um, as of right now, I think it's it's working. I think in the long run, it might not because uh, because just the the type of team that Inter Miami is right now. But I think that's the way to go. You know, I, I think if you're if you're constantly thinking um, with uh, fear, I don't know if fear is the, the right word, but you know, if you're constantly thinking that you're going to get outplayed and that you need to be good defensively because the team is uh, that you're facing is better than you and they will score if they score on you there's no way if you come back then you're in trouble and I think that's what happened last year this year 
Um, Inter Miami not only believes that they can come back um, when they get down, but they, they also have, I think, that combination between Pozuelo and Iwain late in the season that, you know, brings a spark. And so, um, and by the way, this is not only a, a Pozuelo-Iwain thing. I think if Campana is able to come back, he as well is going to get uh, plenty of, of, uh, of balls inside the box. And then if he's uh, back in form, I'm sure he, he, he'll be a goal scorer for this team as well. So I think this is the way to go. This is the way to go, and if you're an Inter-Miami fan, I think you'll go to the stadium, you'll go to Drive Pink Stadium, and, and you'll be happy to see a team that, that's that's attacking. Now, you have to do, be really do you think Do you think Phil smart Neville listened to this podcast and said, you know what, those those guys are on to something. Let me do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Completely, <laughs> complete joke, complete joke. But, it, hey, we did say it around the time it happened. I, I, I'm not going to say that Phil Neville listened to this podcast and we're G- – no, I, I, that's just a joke. But it did happen around the same time because it was clear, I think, at that point that the defense – the defensive-minded approach, that that just wasn't cutting it and wasn't going to cut it, that they needed to do something different. And they've taken this approach, and up until now, the short-term results or the immediate results have have been positive because now Inter-Miami is, even though they're giving up goals at the back like Andrea has so, so, so uh, avidly or so strongly mentioned, they're scoring now and they're outscoring teams on occasion so that's definitely a good thing there's two more things i want to talk about before we close out this segment and that is alejandro pozuelo because we have to talk about the player of the game the player of the week and also someone that made the mls team of the week because yeah he earned all those honors for his two goal performance if you want to go by MLS stats, well, it's two goal and one assist performance against New York City FC, although that assist was a secondary assist, which us three here, plus El Primo, who is not present, yeah. we don't yeah. like that, as you guys have probably know by now. But anyway, nonetheless, Pozuelo was <laughs> Pozuelo was nonetheless very involved and decisive, continues his good run of form and his his hot start with Inter-Miami or his good start with Inter-Miami. Andrea, start with you. What did you think about Alejandro Pozuelo's performance? He gets his first two goals officially with the team. So just your overall thoughts on the game he had against New York City FC. Listen, like uh, we've been saying, I've been saying on the podcast, Pozuelo is a different type of player. And um, it was good that the team brought him. At the moment they did, he has changed a lot. He is an excellent player and he can read the game. So he, he read the game correctly, I think, against New York City FC while, while, while they were playing them. New York City, even though uh, they were missing Tati Castellanos and Callens and they were fighting against each other, they also played and, and were, difficult, were a difficult team. And uh, they had a, they have, no, they they have a good goalkeeper that I have said here in this podcast, and Franco has dragged me because I said Sean Johnson should go to a World Cup. Uh, they have a great goalkeeper, and let me tell you, he had like, I, I remember <laughs> from the top of my head. Don't be dramatic. Five. I never dragged you. I just said I don't <laughs> think he's going to make it with the other options. I didn't drag you. I didn't say it's like a blasphemous <laughs> to say that Sean Johnson should be there. But uh, continue, Andrea. Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking, Franco. I'm joking. But, yeah, he had, like, five saves from shots from Prosuelo, from um, Gonzalo. Yeah. That save against Gonzalo was a good save. Spe- I thought it was He's a great a really save. I thought it was a great save. Spectacular yeah. save. Yeah. 
a good, good, good goalkeeper. But let me tell you, Pozuelo read the game correctly. And the thing that with Pozuelo is he has such a high football IQ that he knows and he knows how Gonzalo will react. He has studied Gonzalo, I guess, and he has studied also all uh, his other teammates because uh, also with Ariel, you could see it when he came in with Indiana Vasilev, with, with Duke. He has studied the movements of, of these players, and he knows that he can expect them to realize what he is doing with the ball on his feet. So I think that is the greatest addition that Inter Miami had has have done this season, even uh, greater than uh, Yedlin and Campana that came this year, because he has changed the face of this team. He's a great player. He showed it against New York City that he can become one of those leaders. And like Jose said, and and you were talking also that uh, his chemistry with Iwain, they both together can move this young team forward because we talk about Duke, we talk about Ariel, Robert Taylor, Indiana Vasilev, Leonardo Campana. All those guys are young guys and maybe don't have the experience that uh, Iguain and Pozuelo have. But now with a player that is on that same level than Iguain, then you can get this team to go forward and you can get this team to get behind those two guys that are important and are important in terms of soccer knowledge, of football knowledge. So I really like Alejandro Pozuelo. I cannot talk any more good things. <laughs> I don't have any more good things to say about him. But I really like I, I really like how he reads the game and how he moves, how he plays. He he's just a football man. He's just a football man, and he has talent and he has intelligence also. And you could tell you could you could tell why he plays as the ten. Yes, he wears the number eight, but the position he plays is the ten on this team. You could tell in the post game press conference the way he remembered plays, not just about his plays and his goals, but he remembered plays exactly. about other players. And, and just you could tell that his brain, he knows. yes, he the knows way he them, sees the he game just exactly. Got here. Exactly. He knows where Mota, he knows where Gregory, he knows where Bryce Duke is supposed to be, are supposed to be. So he's he's just an intelligent man. He's, he's just a different kind of class player. And um, not many players uh, have that intelligence. And in this league, not many players do. And the ones that do are uh, obviously MVP material, quality players, number 10s, etc., etc. So they you see fans getting behind them more because it's not something that you have on all teams. So that is what Pozuelo is. And it was a really, really good get that Inter Miami could bring him here. Yeah, he, he really impressed me in the post-game press conference, I have to say. He really impressed me just with the the way he able he was able to pick. I mean, he was fresh off a, a very emotional game, and they pulled it out, and they, and they won, and they were fired up. And he was able to remember plays that again weren't just his plays that didn't even involve him I think he he mentioned the play early on in the first half where Gene Mota hits a incredible diagonal ball to Robert Taylor down the left Robert Taylor brings it down immaculately with that first touch and then he tries to curl it past Sean Johnson but Sean Johnson makes the save I I think that was the play he, he referenced during the press conference and there were maybe a couple of others that I was like you can see why he's a playmaker. You can see why he's the guy that that can link all the pieces together because he just has that football brain. He has two goals, three assists. Yes, that includes at least one secondary assist in six games for Inter Miami. So definitely DP type production from the Spaniard. Jose, anything you want to add there before we move to the final topic of this segment? Yeah, well, you know, honestly, I think the two goals, if I'm honest about it 
I think I expect him to finish. I think those were easy for him. I don't put a lot of value into that. I, I put more value into, you know, the, the way he has been able to connect with his teammates. I think the two goals, especially against New York City, first one is a great finish, but plenty of room, plenty of time. And the second one is basically a tap-in for him. So, um, yeah, two goals, exciting. I get it. You give him um, player of the week because he scored two goals and in, she's an Inter-Miami player. But um, uh, I think... If we go back and check performances from um, other players, um, they probably did more, and and they still never got the the player of the week and all the all the recognition, all the awards. So I put more value into what the way he's connecting with his teammates than than the goals. Yeah, I agree. With, I can agree with that because goals are sport important, of course, but. It is what he brings to a team, and and how he's helping uh, his teammates. I'm talking about this game. This yeah, game, right? yeah. Game. I mean, it's just that to me, those are a player of of his quality. If you give him that uh, amount of space, especially in the first goal, then he should finish. I would expect him to finish eight out of ten chances, and. The second goal, which is the the, the it wasn't a tap in goal. though. It wasn't a tap in. You said it was like practice. It was basic for him, a player of his quality. That's a tap in. If yeah, he misses that, that that's is a, a difference. Exactly, for, that is a difference between miss. him and his and and other players that and his teammates. Other players have had chances like that that got missed. If you go back and watch the play. If you go back and watch the play, you'll see Sean Johnson is out of position because obviously he was not expecting that big mistake. So. For a player of his quality, that's a tapping. I mean, that's that's a tapping. I also wanted to say something before we move on, that um, Greg Bellhalter was at that game, so he wasn't attendance. He was watching. He wasn't attendance. Watching yeah, Sean Johnson and DeAndre Yedlin probably. But going back to Pozuelo, nine goals and five assists in 12 games career. So that includes his time at Toronto FC. So he's definitely been like New York City FC's never-ending nightmare. Okay, last. Last topic, very, very quickly, because it's something Andrea not only touched on, but the broadcast catches perfectly when Phil Neville changes the formation. Because like I said before, they started in a 5-2-3, or if you want to call it a 5-2-2-1, with that with the midfield in a box shape, you can you can call it either way. But 5-4-1. <laughs> it wasn't a flat four, so I, I wouldn't say 5-4-1, but you could also say it that way or look at it that way. But anyway... Inter-Miami defensively was starting to struggle a bit. So Phil Neville, on the, the camera catches him clearly. And if you if you have the game uh, in, in an, a playable or a watchable or a watch back, if you have the capacity to watch the game back, if you have it on TiVo or you have ESPN Plus or whatever, you can watch it back. It happens at the 29th minute. You see the camera pans to Phil Neville and you see him go clearly with his fingers and with his mouth. Four, two, three. One, he switches the formation to the four-two-three-one look. That helped Inter Miami a bit. What do you think Inter Inter Miami's formation should be going forward to start games? And obviously, it switches from match to match depending on the opponent, depending on the personnel. But what do you think? I'll phrase it like this: What do you think is Inter Miami's best formation? Very, very quickly, Jose. 
Well, listen, I'm going to give Phil the benefit of the doubt because I think he's finding the right combination. Is it too late? Maybe a little bit too late. Maybe a little bit too late. But I, 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 I am glad that he is finally comfortable with moving pieces around and not compromising the game as a whole. Okay, you're taking chances because you, you're, you don't have your, your five-man back lane. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, but it's okay to do that if you feel comfortable. If you feel a hundred percent comfortable, Jose, that that's not the question. That will 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 get you closer to winning the game. It's okay to do it. So I'm going to give Phil the benefit of the doubt because it doesn't really matter what I think right now. He's going to do his thing. I do believe we have just spent. He, the better part of Jose, it. we have just spent the better part of an hour saying what we think. And now you're going to say it doesn't matter what you think? Oh, my goodness, Jose. In terms of the formation. But I'm just asking you formation. what you think is Inter Miami's best formation. I, I, it, the thing is that I'm in the same boat with Phil. That's what I'm trying to say. Because I do believe that at this point, Inter Miami needs to be really smart about it. So if you're playing at home, yes, you can be aggressive. But if you're playing on the road, then yes, it's okay to go with a 5-4-1, maybe. That's what I thought against Montreal. I thought they needed to be defensive-minded and look for a counterattack opportunity. If it's not there, get a point and come back home. And guess what? Now that you're playing at home, you're playing New York City, you're playing Toronto, then yes, you can be offensive-minded now. Then you can play a 4-2-3-1. That's fine. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to give you one formation because if they don't do it consistently, which I don't think they will from now on, I think they will be flip-flopping between uh, formations because that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it because they need to get points right now. I think Andrea so disagrees with you. I think Andrea disagrees because Andrea said earlier that, that that she thinks that they need consistency and they need a, they need a certain system or a certain look. That's what I believe. That's what I understood from Andrea earlier and from previous conversations with her. You can be consistent in terms of results, even even if you're not if you're not you're not. Well, gonna play I, I agree same. with that. I agree I, with you. I agree with you there that you you don't necessarily like. I I'm of the belief. My philosophy would be to try to be as consistent as possible in terms of the formation with alterations here and there. Stylistically speaking, I'm with Andrea that I I think there's too much changes from Phil Neville, but it's proving effective right now so he can't be criticized for it in terms of a results standpoint you can criticize him from you know a stylistic standpoint I, but not from I a think result we standpoint. can all agree frankly i think we can all agree that inter miami is a different team when they play on the road so there's no reason for you to play the same lineup that you play at home when you're playing on the road because that would uh, that wouldn't be smart because you, you're that, supposed you to do that when when you're a team that doesn't win because if you're a team that wins you don't change your lineup that much. Well, Inter Miami is a team that doesn't win because Philadelphia <laughs> came here and they play with two strikers, so they yeah, don't change their lineup, right? We're talking that about Philadelphia. That is why I aspire Inter Miami to be to cover a, a good sure. team, a winning team, and that is what I meant when I, I said at the beginning of the podcast that they should be consistent with their lineup. Yeah, maybe but in a year are... or two. Huh? Maybe in a year or two when the sanctions are Yeah, maybe, are... yeah. Oh, I, I can dream. Okay, can okay. Dream. So, so we're going to we're gonna cut the segment short. I, I just want a formation from you. If you think that they should, that there's a there's a go-to one or one that you think that, that is yes, their best. I would I would play uh, a four, five, one, but in the, those five would be a, a two with Gregor and Mota, 
on, on the middle of the field, and then you can play with three. That could be Taylor, Vasilev, Ariel, Lassiter, Bryce Duke, and Pozuelo in the center of there as a 10, and Pipa as a striker, or Leonardo Campana as a striker, if you want. So a 4-2-3-1. Yes. Yeah, 4-2-3-1. I'm, I'm with Andrea. I think the 4-2-3-1 is Inter Miami's best formation. Pretty much the same personnel, although I would start... You know, Gregory and Mota, yes, is that first line of the midfield. The second line, Pozuelo as the 10. You would have you would have Taylor on one side, and you would have Duke, although he's not a not a pure winger, one of Duke, Lasseter, or Vasilev. You could also throw in Corantan John as a as a potential dark horse to, to yeah. potentially start there. I think that is essentially that that formation gives the team a, a lot of options to in the attack, and also they can bring uh, Robert Taylor or the other winger at the other side to help with defense. And I think the team wins when you get McVeigh and Lowe as your central defenders, and Gibbs Gibbs and Yedlin uh, as your uh, your laterales, your wing. How are they called in English? The, full, the fullbacks. The, the fullbacks. The fullbacks. Yes, the fullbacks. So I think that is what what the team needs to get consistency, to get players that those are their positions that can be dangerous. We saw an opportunity that Gibbs had. So Yellen and Gibbs can be dangerous players when you need them, and and you get a solid central defense when you get a McVeigh and Lowe together. So hopefully we would see that. Don't forget, Gibbs had a had a very good chance in the first half to to score yeah. for Inter Miami, and he pulled Sean, it wide. My boy Sean Johnson, I'm who I'm supporting to be in the World Cup. <laughs> uh, he had a good save against Gibbs. So no, he didn't save it. He, 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 no, no, he didn't save it. He closed down the angle. He, and Gibbs pulled it yeah, wide. Yeah, he, he closed. Wide. Yeah, well, that counts as a save. <laughs> that does not count as a save. In a, it's MLS rule. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if you don't count secondary saves, <laughs> I don't know how you're counting that as a save. He didn't even touch the ball. But I'm, I'm, I'm counting. No, but he, you know what I meant. He he came and 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 he he pressured him and he he closed. Well, I think I thank you, Akisita, for giving me an answer, whereas Jose gave me no answer at all. So shame on you, Jose. Although your stance is is perfectly acceptable, but still shame on you. All right, we will take a break from the. <laughs> we'll take a break for now. We will come back. We'll preview the game against Toronto FC as well as touch on a few other nuggets from Inter Miami that have come out in recent days ahead of this weekend's game. We will do that after this. Okay, guys, before we get to the Toronto FC versus Inter-Miami match at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Saturday night, a very interesting matchup. We'll go into details why in just a bit. We have to touch on a few, few things, starting with the controversial, maybe you guys don't think it's controversial, but the controversial schedule change that Inter-Miami announced this week. Inter-Miami is no longer playing Orlando City at home on September 4th. That game, that rivalry match, that Sunshine Clásico, a.k.a. El Clásico del Sol, has now been moved to October 5th. It's still at home for Inter Miami, but it now comes in the final week of the regular 
season. So Inter Miami now plays October 5th, and then they play four days later once again to close out the season. So two games in five days. Now, why did this happen? If you are unaware, well, I can tell you this, although Inter Miami has not publicly... Well, actually, that's not true. I think Chris Henderson did did touch on it earlier today, but... You know, by and large, Inter Miami has kept their cards cards close to the vest because obviously they don't want to come out and criticize Major League Soccer. But this is not Inter Miami's decision. This is a Major League Soccer decision, and they practically forced the schedule change because Orlando City plays in the Open Cup final on September seventh, so three days after they're set, to, they were set to play Inter Miami at DraftKings Stadium. Orlando City is playing a USL Championship team in Sacramento Republic. So MLS, because MLS is going to MLS, they want to save face and avoid or try, you know, raise as many raise as the, raise the odds as high as possible to avoid an embarrassment of having a non-MLS team beat an MLS team in the US Open Cup final, which hasn't happened in uh, well, you uh, USL Championship team has not won or a non-MLS team hasn't won the Open Cup in a very, very long time. So because of that, this game has now been moved to a midweek match on the final week of the regular season. I can't imagine Inter Miami is all too thrilled about that, although they will not publicly come out and criticize MLS. At least I don't think that they will. I think it's I think it's Bush League. I think it's you know, if I'm Inter Miami, I'm clearly miffed about it. I'm clearly upset about it. Jose, your thoughts on it? Very quickly. Um, well, I was able to talk to Chris Henderson about it um, this week after the media availability. I I asked him um, about. Uh, I asked him to explain the whole situation and 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 yeah, he said they they did play the part in it and in in the fact that they were notified about the situation, but that basically was you know an MLS decision. And um, remember, it's not only about who wins the Open Cup, but the winner of the Open Cup will go to the CONCACAF Champions League. And so it, it, it's not about only about, okay, it's not going to be a US, uh, an MLS team that will win the Open Cup in a while, but also your MLS will be losing one uh, one international spot. And, and you know how right. important that competition is to the league in terms of playing against uh, Liga MX uh, teams. So uh, that's... That's that's part of it. So, right, but also perception, not- also perception. If if MLS doesn't win the Open Cup with all the resources it has and, and loses to USL Championship team, for perception wise, you know all the MLS critics that exist that don't like MLS, no, that don't watch MLS. They they it's- will. They, it's another it's another way to make fun of MLS. Another way to. But to- I have one more thing to add, and maybe this is the positive that Inter Miami um, that Chris Anderson mentioned, um, and and it's about. Yes, it's towards the end of the regular season, but he mentioned that um, Orlando City will be playing New York City on October 2nd. And three days later, obviously, they will be playing Inter-Miami. And um, Inter-Miami will have uh, an advantage, quote-unquote, in terms of the schedule because they will have a couple of days of, um, of rest before before that game. Listen, Chris Chris Henderson, Chris Henderson, Chris Henderson's a longtime MLS executive and 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 listen, he's very diplomatic. So, I you know, I, I can I can understand him saying that, but listen, if Inter Miami 
prefers a midweek game against Orlando City over the excuse me in the last week of the regular season, as opposed to on September fourth. Well, then I you know I, that's September fourth that, yeah. they would have played with uh, obviously bench players. Letting me finish and give out the information that I have. You need to let me finish so that I can tell you the whole story. Okay, please. Franco and me cannot. Franco and I. Franco and me cannot be quiet. You need to realize that. <laughs> okay, so the Inter Miami game will be September 30th, so they will have more time. Although they will be traveling to Canada because they'll be facing Toronto, so that's what he said, and that's what I'm sharing the information with you all. But okay. he did mention that. Wanted, they wanted to play this game as scheduled, of course, because that will provide with them an advantage with Orlando um, um, putting priority one to the final against Sacramento Republic. So there you go. There's the information. Now you can go at it. No, like, no, no. I mean, the, 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 our stance doesn't change, I don't think. It's, it's, you know, it's Chris Henderson being diplomatic, but obviously this was not Inter Miami's decision. This was MLS bending their arm and yeah. forcing them into this decision because if Inter Miami wanted to schedule it like this, they would have done that a long time ago. And clearly, clearly, He's just Inter Miami it to not make the league look bad, but for them, you cannot spin it. For them, it would have been better that Orlando played with bench players, with an academy players. Oh, it's better two ways. Yes. Not only do you have Orlando City, which is a you know a team that's also fighting for a playoff spot. Not only do you play them on the on a weekend where you're go, you're guaranteed to have more butts in seats, more fans in the stands, and thus a better home field advantage, but then you have that final week of the regular season to fully prepare and focus on the regular season finale. Now, with two games in five days, now you don't have a full week's worth of time to prepare. Now you have to prepare for one game, rest and recover, and then have light preparation for the season finale. So clearly, clearly, this is not ideal for Inter Miami. And by the way, season finale is on October 9th against CF Montreal. It's at home at DraftKings Stadium for Inter Miami. So they'll play twice in those in those five days. I have one last thing to say very quickly. Um, I think this is not unusual because, I mean, if you're an Orlando City fan, you would expect MLS to help you out and give you some breathing room be before an important match. But I can understand the frustration from the Inter-Miami side. And I think this all gets solved if Orlando was the one requesting uh, yeah. the, the schedule change. I think that would be a little bit cleaner. That is what happens Orlando internationally. Inter-Miami and calling the league officials and letting everybody know, hey, listen, I need one one day or two and if everybody agrees then we do it if not then that's fine but the matter that the league tries to force the whole thing i think that's the bad look so no, absolutely that's the bad look that's and it, look listen it's inter miami's home game and inter miami scheduled it it's up to them if they want to move it that's how it should be yeah that's how it should be yeah. it's up to inter miami if they want to be nice to play nice with orlando or not that's how it should be but because it's mls mls for, can force this move, and obviously, if you're an Inter Miami fan listening to this and you're frustrated by it, well, direct your frustration to Don Garber and MLS because you know Inter Miami practically had had no say in this matter, regardless of how positive Chris Henderson can be about it. Okay, next thing to talk about is Jairo Quinteros. He is no longer an Inter Miami player. It was announced on Tuesday that they have mutually agreed to part ways. 
he leaves without making much of an impact at all with Inter Miami. I talked about this on multiple pods. I spoke to him after Inter Miami 2 played New York City FC. He's uh, in NYCFC 2. Uh, the second teams played one another at Drive Pink Stadium. And he scored a goal in that game. I asked him about his, his lack of playing time. This was a couple months ago. And clearly he was frustrated. Again, kept it professional, kept it diplomatic, didn't go on a rant or didn't go on a tirade but I could tell from the tone of his voice and, and the overall message was that he was not happy and that he wanted to play more this is the solution that has been found Jose your thoughts on Jairo Quinteros the Bolivian international center back no longer being a part of Inter Miami after a very uneventful first season with the team well, I think it's unfortunate. I think Inter Miami misses on a player here. It's uh, an international caliber player, but at the end of the day, you know, Phil gets the final word, and uh, it looks like Quinteros is not good enough, you know, to 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 get a forget about his starting spot, you know, just to get minutes on this team. So I, I think he's a good player. I think he could have helped the team more. Um, I see him. As a, as a better player than uh, Mavica and and Sailor right now, but you know clearly Phil thinks otherwise. So um, I I hope he finds a, a good team, and I think this is the way to go. If they were not able to find a trade to do a trade or um, uh, or something else, I think this this is the way to go. I think this benefits uh, him and benefits the club as well. Before I go to Andrea, I think the writing was on the wall when he came off the bench very late against FC Barcelona. When he was the one first-team player to play very few minutes, I'd have to go back and look exactly when he came off the bench. It might have been at the same time Romeo Beckham did, which was around the 85th minute. But at that point, it was like, okay, Jairo Quinteros is, is probably not not going to play a part this season. Because Harvey Neville, who's an Inter Miami 2 player, he was on the field for the entire second half. Jairo Quinteros got in there very, very late. So clearly he was deep down the depth chart, down the pecking order. And he played four games total for Inter Miami in MLS play. That's not including open cup matches, but he played four times in MLS play. He had two starts, 282 minutes total. Andrea, your thoughts on Jairo Quinteros no longer being an Inter Miami player? Well, you know, I've never hide that I liked, I really liked Jairo Quinteros. I thought that he should be starting with Damian Lowe in the central defense. He's a good player. He's a young player. He's an international player who has um, experience at the international level, but also experience in Europe because he came from Valencia when, when Inter Miami bought him because of Marcelo Claude and loaned him to Bolivia, to the team in Bolivia. But... I think uh, Jairo Quinteros, Inter Miami is the one that is going to miss him because uh, obviously the coach made a decision. He didn't think Jairo Quinteros was good for this league. And obviously I think Quinteros didn't like the league because he, he didn't want to trade to any team here. Um, nope. It's rumored it's rumored that he's going to Spain. So uh, back to Spain where he where he obviously grew up and he came from, from Valencia's uh, lower leagues and academies um, so I think he's going back to Europe and he's gonna have a good career he's a young player he's a good player he has played internationally and I think he's he, Inter Miami are, are going to miss him in the future because he would have been a good a good player to keep 
especially uh, as he is young and as as he is experienced and as he is good because I really like him. He's a good player. My memory did not let me down on that one. Jairo Quinteros came in at the same time as Romeo Beckham, the final two Inter Miami substitutes. Yeah, in that, that Barcelona. was. Little, let me tell you, that was when and when Phil said to us, I think Jose, you and I were were at the media when when Jose asked Phil and he said. I think Sailor and Mavica are better than Quinteros on, on this moment. I was like, no, man, I, if I was a player like Quintero, that would have been bad for me because you're talking about players who who, came, who come from college. And he, he's an international I mean, player. Uh, so. Clearly, clearly shows where Phil Neville rated yeah. or did not rate Jairo Quinteros. Anyway, Jairo Quinteros yeah, replaced exactly. Damian Lowe in the 86th minute. At the same time, Romeo Beckham replaced Bryce Duke. The final two substitutions for Inter Miami in that 6-0 loss, friendly loss to FC Barcelona. Okay, switching gears very quickly to preview this weekend's game against Toronto FC. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big one. Because Inter Miami is in 7th place in the Eastern Conference, as we mentioned before. But Toronto FC, resurgent Toronto FC is hot on the trails Thanks to the additions of Lorenzo Insignia and Federico Bernardeschi, those two Italian national team players have helped make Toronto FC a a resurgent side in the Eastern Conference. Toronto FC is still, they're in 12th place right now. You know, many places below Inter Miami in 7th. But they're only four points behind if you look at the standings. So yes, they're far away in terms of position but they're not that far away from points if they win this game that gap closes at least within miami to one with one game remaining between the two teams later on in the year so it's a big game it's a big game a meaningful very meaningful six-pointer a lot of playoff implications in this one jose start with you what do you think about this match does inter miami come out with the same attacking mindset the same attacking approach or do they need to think a little bit more about the defense given that toronto fc has some very very big weapons in the italian duo that i just mentioned no you're playing at home you you come out aggressive you come out aggressive um i think that's the way to go um this is a must win game for inter miami Uh, it's a six pointer no doubt about it if you're able to win against toronto then I don't. I don't want to say you, you know, you, you kick them out of the way, but you know. Pozuelo said that though. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't agree with that, but I, I mean, it's 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 a big game. But I, I think if there's uh, one team that can stop Alejandro Pozuelo, it should be Toronto. I mean, they they should know him pretty well, and uh, I think if you're facing Inter Miami right now, that's what you have to do. You just need to stop Alejandro Pozuelo, keep him away from the ball. Let him get touches far away from your goal, and then you should be fine, because that's Alejandro Pozuelo is the difference maker for Inter Miami. So if you're able to stop him, you should be in pretty good shape. Andrea. Also, it's important, Franco, to remember that they play against New York Revolution, so that could be an advantage for Inter Miami. There, they can be tired. Um, I also wanted to mention that not only the Italian guys, but I I think that they got Richie Larea on loan. He's, he was playing in England. Well, he was not playing that much in England. That is why he got loaned, and um, he had to assist. So Toronto is 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 a dangerous team, a dangerous team that 
that can make it to the playoffs. But it also depends on the result they have tomorrow against New England Revolution. I guess if they can keep the winning streak going, it, it will be very dangerous for Inter Miami. And as Jose said, they know Inter Miami's biggest weapon right now, that is Pozuelo. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard game for Inter Miami. And, um, should they should uh, they attack players, or should they look to be defensive? Should they look to be? I'm not saying defensive minded, but a little bit more defensive minded. I don't think they should be playing with a back five because if they play with a back five, they're going to lose. They make too many mistakes. I think they should try to get the ball, to to dominate, to get the ball, to play, to get the ball on their feet. And I guess you you need to keep Duke at the starting lineup. You need to keep Pozuelo and Uain. And you need to keep all those players that can get a first touch, like Robert Taylor, Duke, Pozuelo. You need to keep those players to to get take the ball away from from Toronto because obviously uh, we talk about uh, the Italian guys uh, about Larea, but they have also Michael Bradley, who is a good player, who is a good playmaker. Even though he's old, and some people like to bash him, he he's a defensive liability. Best, but he is one of the best players that this country has had, and he he obviously he's doing a good work with all these new guys that are coming in. So it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be dangerous for Inter Miami. And I think the way that they could get a result here is having the ball and playing going forward like they did sometimes against New New York City FC. I wouldn't play Bradley. In the in South Florida, uh, if he plays me uh, tomorrow, it would have been worst. I, I wouldn't play yeah, Bradley. Yeah, it's going to be a big trip. Do you think Bob Bradley, in, do, you think, in do you think Toronto FC's head coach, Bob Bradley, father of Michael Bradley, is not going to play Michael Bradley in a six-pointer, crucial six-pointer, against Inter-Miami. I don't see that happening. Of course. I think he's starting, <laughs> yeah. think he's starting his he, son there. If he, if he plays against New England, I mean... That's not what I asked you, Jose. I don't see That's not what I asked you. I Listen. asked you, do you see Bob Bradley sitting Michael Bradley, his son, for an important match? That's what I'm saying. If he plays tomorrow, I see him. I don't see him. I, I don't think... It would be a good idea. But do you, not, I'm not asking you if you think it's a good idea. I'm asking you if you think you see Bob Bradley sitting his son, regardless of what happens on Wednesday, over the weekend. Listen, I have high regards for Bob Bradley. He's going to do whatever is good for his team. Don't disrespect Bob Bradley. I don't think Come he's going to take his son, who who he has trusted not only at Toronto FC and and with the Metro Stars earlier in their in their careers, but also with the U.S. Men's National Team. I just don't see him being like, all right, well, we're going to sit Michael. But anyway, look. By the way, this is a this is información información. This is information. A stat since Federico Bernardeschi's and Lorenzo Insigni's introduction to Toronto FC in MLS play. They have won three games and tied one. They have yet to lose in MLS play. And those results were a 4-0 win against Charlotte FC. The only game they didn't score in was a 0-0 draw away to the New England Revolution. They then went on the road and beat Nashville SC 4-3. And they've most recently beaten the Portland Timbers 3-1. So they are scoring goals. We talk about Inter Miami scoring goals. Toronto FC is scoring goals. And obviously the Italians' introduction has coincided with Pozuelo's exit from Toronto and arrival to Inter-Miami. So Inter-Miami has benefited in that regard. But this weekend is a very big challenge. I am very curious to see how Phil Neville approaches the game. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good game because when 
Phil came to this league and we asked him about what coaches he had, what American coaches he admired. He talked about Bob Bradley. Listen, Bob Bradley for me is one one of the best that this country has. One of the best uh, American coaches, even better for me than Bruce Arena. And uh, it's going to be hard because Phil knows that Bob Bradley is, uh, is a good coach and he's going to be thinking. And listen, Phil is away. Let's tell people Phil is away getting his uh, green card sorted. So hopefully he gets back in time to be during this match. If not, we're going to see Jason Christ uh, be, be a coach for Inter Miami. But he is expected to be back by Friday. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's Phenomenal. expected to be back. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, very quickly to, to close out on on this game, on this game. Very quickly though, very quickly, because again, I'm very curious to see what Phil Neville does. Because when there's that much attacking power on the other team, yes, your attacking approach has worked, but there's a lot of talent on that opposition on that on that other team. So do you do you leave those spaces in behind? I'm curious to see if he stays with this attack. Or as he said in the press conference after New York City FC, gung ho approach where the shackles are off. Or does he revert back to the median a little bit and, and become a little bit more defensive minded to try to limit those spaces for Bernardeschi and and uh, and Insignia? I'm, I'm curious to see what Phil Noble does. Very curious. But anyway, very quickly, Jose, key to the game. Very quickly. Key to the game. That's a good question because I mean it's pretty obvious that it goes around Pozuelo and Iwain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I was trying to, you know, to. I, I think the key to the game is how do you help Pozuelo, um, in terms of the uh, uh, of of what Toronto is going to do to try to stop him. How do you help him out? Right. Um. Are you going to be able to? Get Pozuelo in position to feed Iwain. That's the key to the game. If Pozuelo continues to do um, what we have seen in the last few games, then I think Inter Miami has a shot. So um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but maybe the key to the game is get the ball to Alejandro Pozuelo in positions where he can be, he can give that final pass. Do not allow um, Toronto FC to succeed in the keeping Pozuelo far away from the goal. Andrea. I agree with Jose. The key to the game is Pozuelo. And if, is, if he is able to play freely, for me, that is the key of the game. That will make a difference if Inter Miami can win or if they are going to lose. The key to the game for me in this one, regardless of how Inter Miami comes out in terms of the approach, is how the defense holds up. Because I do not think Inter Miami will get away with the type of mistakes that they've gotten away with in the past against the likes of Bernardeschi and against Insigni. If they give up, like there was in the fourth minute against NYCFC, which we didn't touch on, Talis Magno, heck of a play from him. He had a, a fantastic game. But in the fourth minute, he, he gets on the end of a through ball. He rounds Drake Callender. He's got the goal at his mercy, and he can't get his shot. He can't get around his shot and put it on frame. He hits the side netting from in close, from within the six-yard box, inside, like four yards, three yards away. You he give did those... the most difficult thing, and and didn't score the goal. <laughs> he he he, he messed up on the he messed up on the easiest part of what he needed to yes, do. Yes, exactly. But, he did but, the most difficult. But the, I, don't th- I don't think I don't think these Italians, these veteran Italian national team players, will be as forgiving. Ellos no van a perdonar. If they have chances, I expect them to put it away against Inter Miami's defense. So for me, the key to the game is, and again, that's not I'm not saying they need to come out. Inter Miami needs to be defensive minded. 
But the defense needs to be more solid in how it plays. Players need to perform better. They need to be a little bit tighter, a little bit more secure, a little bit more solid in their battles. That's the key to the game for me. Okay, let's quickly do the Q&A session. We'll just tackle a couple very, very quickly. First one from Battered Herons Podcast. Would you bring Iguain back as a DP next year if he keeps this form up for the rest of the season? Jose. No, you don't bring him as a DP. You can bring him back. But um, he needs to understand that he's no longer a DP and that the team needs another player, maybe a fresher player with uh, a lot more upside. And it could happen, but I, I don't see him back as a DP. Andrea. I agree. He should. I, I, I even I'm going to go further than Jose. And I think he should be back, but not as a designated player, but in another role. So normal earning player. So three for three, because I don't think they should bring him back as a DP. I don't think that he will be back unless, you know, he takes a massive, massive pay cut, which I just don't see that happening. He's not coming back to Inter Miami. As a matter of fact, he had some interesting comments today at the availability right. that you guys were present for, where he said he has a decision to make or he has a decision to share in December. All signs, listen, let's, let's be honest. All signs are pointing to Gonzalo Higuain retiring. He's in the final year of his contract with Inter Miami. And, and with MLS, you know, he's talked about how he's he's not doesn't want to go back to the pressure cooker that is European football, European soccer, as well as in Argentina. So where does that leave him? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he going to go? He, by all accounts, he seems happy here in South Florida, where he can be, you know, more or less. Seems very right. Yeah, he can have a private life, more or less, generally speaking, or relatively speaking. So. We've also heard, you know, his dad came out earlier this year on, on an Argentine show, Argentine show, and said that Gonzalo Higuain, this was his last year, he was retiring at the end. Higuain came out afterwards and said there was a malentendido, a misunderstanding. We've also heard Phil Neville say at different moments that Gonzalo Higuain wants to go out uh, in, in a good way. He doesn't, you know, he wants to be remembered for the positives he brought as opposed to the negatives, which to me reads between the lines that Gonzalo Higuain is retiring at the end of the season. That's just... My my read on it, I, I think that I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it would be a surprise, but I think that's that's the direction things are headed in. Okay, uh, I think you guys agree with that, yes? That you think he's retiring at the end of the year? Yes. No, 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 no. I'm no, not I agree that he that. should not be a designated player. No, no. Do you think yeah, he's retiring? Do you think he's retiring? I think mm -hmm. he is. This last month, I even asked him, in, in this last uh, that he says he feels happier and things have changed, and that he's not a robot to be happy all the time. But he is happier in this month. I think that maybe if Inter Miami keep uh, building on this team that they have this year, I think he could be tempted to to come back, not as a DP, but to come back. No and, and to way! Give... I do not see him going from five million dollars to five hundred thousand well, million dollars. Well, because here he has. He has here, he already bought a house, he has his family, and he doesn't get acosado like he would in Argentina. Yeah, but he doesn't, but he doesn't need to keep playing soccer unless he wants to keep playing yeah. soccer. And I don't, and I don't know yeah. if he does. I don't know if he wants to keep playing soccer. I think that that's the most important thing. You know, after he, finish, he finishes the contract, I think the question is, do you want to keep playing? Right. Yeah. And um, if Inter-Miami is okay with, with him being back, then I think he might continue at least one more year. I don't see him going to Salt Lake City or any yeah. other team, honestly. He wouldn't leave any other city in the United States, let's yeah. be real. I don't see him moving again. Yeah. So, um, so you, yeah, don't, you think, don't think I'm, he's I'm retiring? Gonna, uh, 
No, as of right now, I don't. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure that he will retire. I think he changed his mind. All right, last question. Last question. Fighting Herons. Is it time for Phil to scrap the back five formation completely? This team seems to play worse both on defense and offense in that formation. Very quickly, just say yes or no, Jose. Okay, Andrea. <laughs> I would say. Well, I'm not a huge fan of it. No. You could still have it there in your arsenal, still have it in your in your tool bag just in case you need to close out a game late on or, you know, certain circumstance calls for that. So I don't think you should scrap it completely, but I, I get the sentiment. I get the sentiment. No, I said... No, no, scrap completely means start and any point in the game. That to me, that to me. So I would say completely no, but... Should they turn to it as often as they do? Maybe not. Probably not. I would say no. But I don't think you should scrap it all together. Anyway, all right. Uh, that does it for the Q&A session. Very quick, short, and sweet. Any final thoughts that you guys have? Or do you guys just want to wrap up the show? Jose. Yes, I have final thoughts. Okay, Andrea. My final thoughts is stay tuned because we're going to make an announcement of some awards that the Miami Total Football Podcast is going to give to some Inter-Miami players this year. So stay tuned uh, with the announcement that we're going to make. It's going to be fun. And you guys that listen to us and listen to us fight and talk and laugh and also analyze the game sometimes um, could can, can get a chance to vote and decide with us. So stay tuned for that. Jose. My um, final thought is on Drake Callender. Um, I think we had a nice conversation with him. Um, this week, and he talked about meeting Greg Berhalter and that he wants to at some point play for uh, the national team. So, um, yeah, it was it was just fun to talk to him about something different. And uh, and he said he mentioned um, some of his favorite goalkeepers in MLS, uh, Sean Johnson, Andre Blake. So, yeah, it's a nice guy, and um, hopefully to Franco's benefit, sometime he'll, he'll get to play in a World Cup, and, uh, well, maybe in the World Cup in 2026. Uh, that'll be great for Frank. So, yeah, that's my final thought. I think Jose is trying to take the title of Drake Callender's agent on this show. I think that's what's happening here. He's trying to step on my toes. Anyway, <laughs> my final thought has nothing to do with Inter Miami. I will just say and share that I went to the Bad Bunny concert on Friday night game friday night had a blast an absolute blast and like i felt like all of south florida went to bad bunny's concert either on friday and saturday and the whole weekend bad bunny had miami fort lauderdale all of south florida in uh in a very happy and vibeful mood it was just i don't know if that's a word vibeful i don't know if that's a word but yeah the vibe was 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 incredible the energy was incredible heck of a concert i had an amazing amazing time may have had quite a few drinks by the way, while I was at Bad Bunny, Jose and Andrea were at a completely different concert that uh, was not <laughs> Bad Bunny. But anyway. Please, Franco, we were at a real, I like Bad Bunny, but we were oh, at a real Oh, here we go. Here we go. I knew home. it. I knew it. See, hey, listen, you guys had your final thoughts, all right? You don't get to rebuttal my final thought just because I, I, I went last on purpose. I had to give that dig I on you guys. I want to say to our listeners, we went to Enanitos Verdes, and if you know about music, you're going to like Enanitos Verdes. So go and tell that to Franco, who doesn't like Enanitos Verdes. Listen, Bad Bunny over in Anitos Verdes any day of the week and twice wow. on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that's it. 
that's my final thought. All right, that does it for this week's show. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back again next week to recap the match against Toronto FC, a very crucial six-pointer, and, of course, to look ahead to what's next for the South Florida side. So, for Jose Armando and Andrea Yanis, I am Franco Pizzo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio.